Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. The NCAA chickens out again. Yeah, if you were hoping that the NCAA would show some kind of sanity when it comes to men competing against women, you haven't been paying attention to the NCAA. Uh, It changed its policy today about transgender athletes. And they're going to follow a sport-by-sport model, which is what the U.S. and international Olympic committees do, which means they punted. John DeJoya, uh, the NCAA's board chairman, said, quote, We are steadfast in our support of transgender student-athletes and the fostering of fairness across college sports. Of course he said that. Uh, you know, what would you expect from an organization representing institutions of higher learning? Did you think he was going to, you know, say... I don't know, it's ridiculous to have a man swimming with and against women, and anybody with a brain knows that. He doesn't want to get canceled. He's the president of Georgetown University, and he can't be going around saying that there are only two sexes, men and women. You can't have that, especially from the president of a Catholic university. You wouldn't want that. Anyway, it's going to be all about uh, testing for testosterone levels and then determining whether or not those levels are low enough for a man to compete against women. This, of course, does nothing to stop the insanity because even with testosterone suspension or suppression, I should say, uh, men still have a huge advantage because of body size, muscles, lung capacity, all that stuff. So I guess this means that Leah Thomas will keep swimming with the women on the University of Pennsylvania swimming team. And he'll make a mockery of the record book and the women on the team won't have the guts to say how much they hate it. At least they, they won't have the guts to say it on the record. They'll say it anonymously, which does, which does no good. Meanwhile, there's actually a story out there that Leah tanked it when he lost to a woman swimming as a man in a, in a meet last week because he wanted to show that a woman could beat a man. Again, an institution of higher learning. That's what we're dealing with. And we'll talk about that more tomorrow, by the way. When we come back, we're going to talk to Horace Cooper. He's the co-chair of Project 21 Black Leadership Network. Talk to him about Joe Biden accusing Republicans of suppressing the black vote. And in our second half hour, Dr. Fauci and the British version of Dr. Fauci and how they conspired to cover up the Wuhan virus lab leak. Stick around. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof, or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. All with 12 months no interest, no processing fee, and backed by 
by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsrpittsburgh.com. That's windowsrpittsburgh.com. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're paying too much for your wireless service. Because Pure Talk gives you the exact same 5G coverage as one of those big carriers on the exact same network, but saves the average family over $800 a year. And Pure Talk doesn't lock you into an overpriced, unlimited data contract. Why pay for data you don't need? Instead, get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month. And switching is so easy. You can keep your phone and keep your number. Or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. So what are you waiting for? Start saving today. Go to puretalk.com, type in your address to find the coverage at your home, then enter promo code HALFOFF, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code HALFOFF. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Let's ring in the new year by checking off an important to-do. Your old videotapes and photos are fading as each year passes. VCRs are becoming extinct, and the clock is ticking to save your family's most cherished memories. Hi, I'm Adam Baselauer. And I'm Nick Mako. We started Legacy Box to help you preserve your captured moments by converting all your videotapes, photos, and even film reels into perfectly preserved digital files. Legacy Box is the easiest resolution to do and can be done in minutes. Just fill your Legacy Box, send it in, and we'll send it back with your memories perfectly preserved. Legacy Box is the world's largest digitizer of home movies and photos. All the work is done right here in the USA, and over a million customers have trusted Legacy Box. Let's kick off the new year right by rescuing your memories that haven't been watched or enjoyed in years. Order your Legacy Box today. Go to LegacyBox.com slash LBOX for 40% off your Legacy Box. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBOX for 40% off. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX. Rob tried to manage his constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating day after day. After realizing it was irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC, he found another way and finally said yes to adding Linzess. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than two years old. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at Linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Abbey and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, Joe Biden said exactly what you um, you expected him to say about voting laws yesterday. He said Republicans want to suppress the black vote. And if his new voting law didn't pass, which it didn't, uh, the 2022 election might not be legitimate. Horace Cooper is co-chair of Project 21 Black Leadership Network, and he joins us now. Horace, thanks for coming on again. Always good to have you. Well, thank you. It's great to be on the program. So um, Joe Biden did double down on the voter suppression claim, and I'm guessing you're not buying it. Oh, absolutely. This is a ruse. Absolutely. Uh, this is a way to divide the American people. Um, the president's policies have been unbelievably destructive 
for black households as well as white households. But what this president and his team have decided to do is say to black Americans, don't worry about the fact that you've got to get a second mortgage when you go and get a new, uh, fill up your tank of gas. Don't worry that you thought your kids had moved out and were getting their own place. Now they're back. Don't worry that grandma, your grandmother, isn't going to be able to pay her utility bills. Don't worry about that because I'm here to stop the threat of racist voter suppression. If it wasn't so cynical, it would be clearly and obviously as shameful as it is. Yeah. Um, should black voters be insulted when the president insinuates that they don't have IDs or aren't able to get themselves to the polls as well as a white person might be able to do it? Uh, this idea that people in America in the 21st century, black, white, or brown, operate on some large number without identification. I uh, just want to make sure we understand Social Security will not let you participate if you don't produce ID. Uh, public service and SNAP benefits, that's uh, food stamps, housing assistance, you can't get those without ID. Is this administration saying to deny a person food stamps or the Social Security payments that they put into the system because they don't have an ID, are they going to claim that that's racist? Because that's what our system does. It requires in almost every walk of life getting utilities, getting a library card, flying, buying a vehicle. They're just almost no activities that any modern American can engage in without ID. The only purpose for highlighting this in the context of voting is to pretend that there is some effort to prevent people from being able to participate in the election process. Well, guess what? Not only is mainstream America not falling for it, black America isn't falling for it. And that was my next question. I'm a white guy, Horace, so I never uh, even begin to attempt to put myself in the shoes of a black person and, you know, what it's like to be black in America. Um, so I have to ask you, because you are black and member of, a, of, a, uh, of an organization that tries to promote black, uh, just help black voters in general, uh, and I'm just wondering, I mean, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to picture myself sitting in the living room yesterday, and if he, if he were saying that... Uh, that the, the, the group that I belong to, I, I don't know, white people, white guys, whatever, however you want to put it, well, they're just not capable of uh, voting and, and uh, getting to the polls. And, it's, I, and uh, whoever was in the room with me, I would be looking at him going, well, who's, who's he talking about? I mean, is that what happens with – are there black people out there who listen to him and say, oh, yeah, he's right, I can't get to the polls, or, or, or are they actually insulted by it? Every time a survey is asked, a poll asked the American people whether or not they think it's useful to have an identification uh, card in, in order to vote. Significant majorities, and I don't mean 51%, I don't mean 55%, between 65 and 85%, and that's across all races. So let me say that more simply. Between 65 and 80% of black Americans believe that an ID card is necessary and useful, and they don't think it's racist. And here's the fundamental fact. 
fundamental fact is, if you let ghosts, if you let convicts, if you let illegals participate on election day, they crowd out the real bona fide voters. That's really no difference between what was done with Jim Crow. You lived in a community, you had some concerns, you had some complaints. When you wanted to vote, your vote wasn't actually allowed to count. If ghosts, convicts, and illegals swamp the vote, and they vote in a way that discounts your concerns, then your vote actually isn't getting to count. That's why black Americans, like white Americans, don't want to let ghost convicts and illegals participate. A voter ID helps to make that far less likely. Are they st- I think they're still referring to this as uh, Jim Crow 2.0. <laughs> yes, uh, I had to chuckle a little bit when I heard uh, the president give his speech in which every single outrageous bad actor that he named was a Democrat. Yeah, that's right. It is remarkable to me. Now, I want to let your audience understand that I believe you can actively be an advocate for black America because I believe that what's good for black America is good for America, and what's good for America is good for black America. There is no dividing line from my perspective. But the progressives, that's exactly what they say. It's a pie. And if someone gets two slices, that means someone else can only have one. That's not the America that I know of. That's not the America that operates in the real world. And that's not the America that divides us. But the progressives, that's the America they want. We're talking to Horace Cooper. He's co-chair of Project 21 Black Leadership Network. Um, Yesterday, Biden said he's always had blacks backs. Uh, Doesn't exactly have a great record, though, when it comes to civil rights, does he? Well, if you take your hand and you see a man standing up next to the cliff and you push it in the back, they'll fall. But you got their back. You've pushed them. This president has displaced more black Americans from their homes than the prior three presidencies. This president has forced people to be unemployed at levels higher than we have seen in a decade. The unemployment rate may be low, but the worker participation rate is at a record low. So instead of focusing on the 3.9%, let's ask ourselves why we can't have 70 or 75% of able-bodied adults working. It's the president's policies that do this. It's the president's policies that are making it less likely that black kids are going to be able to go to school in a safe environment, that they're going to get an actual education instead of a woke education. This president's policies cripple America, and as a consequence, it cripples black America. How has he displaced more blacks than the previous three presidents? All you have to do is encourage COVID shutdowns, um, COVID passports, and what you end up saying is those individual workers at the lower rung who don't have the ability to work from home with broadband, who don't have the ability to be compensated while they are, uh, because they are lower educated, those individuals have been disproportionately wiped out 
of the workforce in just the space of this president's one-year term. It has been unbelievably destructive, and now the Wall Street Journal is suggesting that there are only four states in America, four states, that have as many jobs or slightly more jobs than they had before the advent of COVID-19. It is this president's policies that prevent us from recovering, from expanding, and as a consequence, black Americans find themselves not able to work at the restaurant, not able to eat at the restaurant, not able to have any of the benefits if they work or had worked in the past in industries that served the restaurants. The more likely you are to be working class, the more harmed you are by Joe Biden's policies. Well, Horace, this is a guy who ran as a uniter. Um, can, can Democrats really expect to win if, if there is no division along racial lines? Is that the only way they, they can win? And, is that, and do they know that? Oh, their plan has been for a while not to have to have an agenda. Look around and see, uh, as I explained in my book that I released on the 4th of July of 2020, how Donald Trump is making black America great again, their agenda for progressives is all tilted toward their special and favored parties. They have an agenda for the Hispanic or Latino community. They have an agenda for the greenies. They have an agenda for the LGBTQ community. What they don't have is an agenda for black America. And as a consequence of not having any such agenda, and by the way, when I say this, I'm not saying I'm in favor of the agendas that they have for the other groups. I'm just identifying how they have left out black America from their own cohort and their own efforts. Because they have no such agenda, they use scare tactics as an alternative. Uh, his poll numbers are in the toilet um, with Republicans and independents, obviously, but he also seems to be losing uh, among Democrats, too. Do you get the sense that he's losing among black voters, uh, that his poll numbers are dropping, uh, even if they don't show up on paper yet? Oh, they are showing up on papers. Uh, on paper, Quinnipiac, Gallup, uh, the Associated Press, all are showing record low job approval among black Americans. Uh, Quinnipiac had him at 54%. You cannot, you cannot get elected statewide or nationally, if you don't have at least 80% of the black vote. The numbers that we are seeing are, in fact, catastrophically falling, and it should have been a sign that the woke, radical, progressive policies that have been so destructive ought to be reversed. And that's why, when we put our release out, we said the major failing of this press conference was that the president did not come forward and say, I was wrong, we are reversing course. Yeah, what, if, if you were uh, made president for a day, what would be the one thing that would be the first thing you would do that uh, you think would help the black vote, help to get the black vote, but just help black people in general? What would be the okay, first thing you Okay, well, let do? me say again. I don't see that there's something different between blacks and whites. Right. Policies that are good for America are good for blacks. One, it shouldn't 
cost so damn much to buy a tank of gas. <laughs> that is extremely hurtful to black America as it is to the rest of America. Yeah. This idea we're going to pay people to temporarily stay home as you are out of the workforce, your skill set atrophies. Why on earth would you say to low-income people who are just entering the workforce or people who are lower on the rung, take a time out? He should reverse course with regard to that. He should absolutely stop the assault on what's called the gig economy. Black Americans actually are more likely to operate as their own private company operators than the population at large. This president wants to be able to unionize as many Americans as possible, and so he has had the Department of Labor issue new limits on the ability of people who consistently work for the same place. That's, I mow your lawn 12 or 15 weeks in a row. Instead of me having my own lawnmower company, the Biden administration wants me to be an employee of the person who has hired me for 12 or 15 times. Well, guess what? That, that company, that person, that individual is going to say, I'll figure out how to get my lawn uh, mowed on my own. That has elevated unemployment, and it will continue to elevate. And the COVID mitigation strategies have been an abysmal failure. The United Kingdom just announced that they are no longer going to be uh, going forward with this folly. No more masks, no more social distancing, no more testing to enter the country, no more mandatory vaccines whatsoever. That was just announced, yeah. and that's likely to save Boris Johnson's uh, administration. Yeah, I just saw that. That's great. I'm going to talk about that in the next segment a little bit. Um, so I was going to say that uh, if I were made president for a day and I thought what I could do to help everybody uh, the most would be to really, really push school choice, and that the Republicans seem to be talking louder about it now than they have in a long time, but I, I, I've heard them talk about it, and, uh, and they don't walk the walk. And Are they starting to walk the walk, do you think? Well, I think uh, uh, education is a critical issue. Uh, one of the reasons I don't list it uh, in this conversation is precisely because it's supposed to be primarily a state and local responsibility. Right. Absolutely, it should be made to be more competitive. Absolutely, it should be more responsive to the needs and interests of the parents. Uh, and absolutely, the federal government shouldn't stymie that. But the real issue here is, what are the kinds of policies that the feds are doing? That is Mr. Biden. And uh, he has BBB, he calls it Building Back Better, uh, and I call it building back bad. It takes terrible ideas, ideas that have never worked wherever they've been applied, and it funds them at astronomical levels, and it will have, if it were to pass, the same astronomically destructive consequences. Horace, what are you guys doing at uh, Project 21 Black Leadership Network? And we're talking to Horace Cooper, finishing up here. He's the co-chair. Um, what what are you doing where you're seeing some progress, uh, the, uh, you know, the fruits of your labors? Where are you seeing oh, it? 
We're absolutely getting uh, unbelievable interest in our activities. Uh, we're getting a lot of uh, support financially, and we're seeing, uh, you can look in the House of Representatives, two of the newest uh, black members of Congress are uh, actively partnered with Project 21, and candidates all across the country that happen to be black are also signaling their interest in our blueprint that we put together, uh, a way to improve the lot of black America, not at the expense of the rest of America, but by building on the things that make America exceptional. We're actually going to be issuing another blueprint for 2022. Well, I'll look forward to it and look forward to having you on the show again, Horace. I'm out of time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, that's Horace Cooper, co-chair of Project 21 Black Leadership Network. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The White House is clarifying President Biden's press conference statement about Russia and Ukraine. The president asserted that Russia will be held accountable if it invades Ukraine. But then he said this. It depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, etc. Afterwards, Press Secretary Jen Psaki issued a statement trying to clean up the president's minor incursion comment. She said, if any Russian military forces move across the Ukrainian border, that's a renewed invasion and it will be met with a swift, severe and united response. Greg Clugston, the White House. The Carolinas and Virginia bracing for more winter weather, which forecasters predict will arrive as mixed precipitation, followed by a round of snow on Friday night into Saturday. The Dow is up 138 points. The Nasdaq ahead 67. This is SRN News. So I invested in one of those fancy new exercise bikes. Without a doubt, a very special tool to help me get healthier. The problem is three days go by, then four, and I've done nothing. And then it's night five, and I'm sitting at the kitchen table, and I look down at myself, and I can't help but just laugh. Because there I am, wearing the exercise t-shirt that came with the bike, and I'm eating two corn dogs. And I think we'd all agree, the special tool only matters if we use it to our benefit. At United Faith Mortgage, we believe we have an advantageous tool for you. Our mortgage team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions. There's no middleman. And often, this allows us to get you a better rate on your refinance or new home purchase, which can save you monthly and lifelong money. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Metal Park Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to Animalist Consumer Access. Or corporate Animalist number 1330. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. It's 2022, and this could be the year. This could be the year we finally get a handle on COVID. This could be the year we flip the house back red. And this could be the year Congress finally stops arguing and works together. Yeah, probably not. For what could be and what is in 2022. Keep it right here. Happy New Year. AM 1250. 
The Answer. Pitt Cycles is proud to be the new home of Pittsburgh Triumph. This is John Steigerwald, and to celebrate, I'll be live on location February 3rd for the grand opening of the newly redesigned Pittsburgh Triumph showroom. Join me from 3 to 6 p.m. and check out the entire Triumph line, featuring over 30 bikes on the floor, including three models never before seen in this country. Then stick around for my live broadcast of the John Steigerwald Show at 5. It's all happening February 3rd. I have a feeling it's going to be a triumph. Pittsburgh Triumph in Warrendale, next to Jurgles. Details at pitcycles.com. Cancer. So many lives are touched by cancer. In fact, one in two men and one in three women will be diagnosed with cancer. At the American Cancer Society, we're on a mission to free the world from cancer. It's a big mission, driven by little things like a ride to treatment, a free place to stay, a 24-7 helpline. But these little things are really the big things. Because to a cancer patient and their family, they're everything. And every day we reach thousands of cancer patients who so desperately need these services. But we need your help to get these critical services to more people and families in need this holiday season. Go to cancer.org and join the fight against cancer. It takes just minutes to donate and help provide essential support to cancer patients and their families. Don't wait. More than one in three people will be diagnosed with cancer. Go to cancer.org right now and make a difference. Go to cancer.org. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. An accident. Liberty Tunnels outbound just past Liberty Bridge. We're also seeing some busy conditions on the Parkway East inbound, downtown 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. On the outbound side, some pockets of volume from Bates Street up to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Looks like about a five-minute delay on the Parkway West inbound between Green Tree and the Fort Pitt Tunnel. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Partly cloudy skies for tonight. It'll be bitterly cold. Limited outdoor activity is recommended. We'll see a low of 5. For tomorrow, it'll be frigid with sunshine and a few clouds and a high of 18. Clear and frigid tomorrow night with a low of zero. Saturday will start off the weekend with mostly sunny skies. Expect a high Saturday of 25. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. It looks like the U.K. has had enough. Boris Johnson has decided to end all COVID restrictions. No more masks, uh, no more vaccine passports. Imagine that. And uh, you wonder how that's going to go over with the U.K.'s version of Dr. Fauci. There is one of those, uh, believe it or not. There's actually a, uh, a version of Dr. Fauci over there in the U.K. And um, he's uh, apparently been involved in... Uh, if you want to call it a conspiracy, uh, to cover up where this Wuhan virus came from, and uh, and 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 he did that instead of instead of uh, coming up with reasonable ways to deal with the virus, he spent a lot of time figuring out ways to cover it up. Uh, and Jeffrey Tucker is the founder and president of the Brownstone Institute. He knows all about this guy, and Jeffrey joins us now. Jeffrey, thanks for being here. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for, uh, for having me. Okay, so, so let's start with, um, with that, with uh, this guy who's the U.K.'s version of our Dr. Fauci. 
Who is Jeremy Farrar? Jeremy Farrar is the UK's Fauci. He's a very powerful guy, very well connected. Uh, all the appropriate scientific training, blah, 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 that one needs. Um, uh, but he runs the so-called Wellcome Trust, which is the UK's largest distributor of scientific dollars, easily the most powerful uh, agency or organization, nonprofit organization, NGO, in the UK concerning public health, easily. So think of it as a combination of the Gates Foundation and NIH. And was he a big proponent of lockdowns when this all started? Um, you know, he was part of that gang uh, that for many years has uh, p- played with the idea of lockdowns and computer modeling and that sort of thing. So he hangs out with Neil Ferguson and this sort of thing. But what was interesting about, about him, you ask a good question, actually. You know, I don't, I don't think of him as being a top proponent of lockdowns uh, before... Uh, I would say, you know, the first week of February uh, 2020. So neither, by the way, was Fauci. Fauci was um, not a big lockdowner uh, uh, before late February. So these guys shifted their position from traditional public health, uh, <clears throat> which involves, you know, trying to assess where, where the risks of, of, of a virus are, mm-hmm. um, protect the vulnerable uh, you know, look into therapeutics, that sort of thing. Now, it's true that these guys have been botching things for years. We know how um, Fauci botched the AIDS. Oh, yeah. Been, well, we know, been, but not enough people know that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but nonetheless, these guys were never on the record favoring what we now call lockdowns until quite late. And my reconstruction of this timeline is pretty interesting because uh, Farrar and Fauci and Collins and, and the sort of gang of uh, public health mucky mucks uh, got, you know, they knew about the virus, of course, from, I would say, you know, middle of, of January. <clears throat> I mean, I was writing about it, I think, the first week of January, so it was well known. Uh, but the word that it didn't, the possibility that it didn't come from a wet market, but rather had emerged from the Wuhan uh, laboratory itself, really alarmed Farrar, and they began to believe that, unlike SARS-CoV-1, which, as far as anybody knows, was was a natural virus, mm-hmm. this one was created in a lab and uh, would have special properties that would cause it to spread around the world. SARS-CoV-1 was quite severe, and so these na- your viruses tend to be naturally limiting. Like, the more prevalent they are, the less severe they are, and vice versa. Uh, they were concerned that SARS-CoV-2 was actually a lab creation, uh, maybe a result of -of gain-of-function research, and therefore would cause a global pandemic. And they were concerned, too, because these were their their colleagues. And uh, uh, UK and US tax dollars were very much involved in funding that particular lab in China. So he says in his book, which came out in July of 21, that they all got burner phones, started uh, being involved in clandestine meetings, keeping secrets, uh, secret uh, Zoom calls and whispering only to friends and family. And he said that he called up his uh, best friends in in the UK and said, if you find uh, that I've disappeared some night or I I turn up dead, you need to know this is a reason. So these, (laughs) so 
it's, there, there's a lot that went on between, say, January 30th and February 27th that we don't know about. So then he was uh, pretty nervous that it was going to be found out that this virus did, in fact, leak from a lab and that he may have, if he wasn't at the, the, if he wasn't to blame for the leak, he was, uh, it was possible that he was going to be blamed for it, and that he actually feared for his life over that? He was so uh, uh-huh. concerned about it, the truth coming out? Well, that's what he says. That's what he says in his it's book. It's in his book, yeah. Was, yeah, that, that he was concerned that he would suddenly be disappeared or offed or something like that. It's, you know, a level of paranoia, you just, you just can't believe it. He wasn't sleeping at night. Um, so, you know... You know, I've thought, of, I've thought about this. Like, you have to put yourself in his, in his, and, you know, try to get into his head. Uh, what, was the, what was the fear? And why were they spending all their time? And keep in mind, for everybody who's suffered from COVID scrambling to get information, to find therapeutics and so on, these are the world's top public health officials. And instead of thinking about how we could deal more effectively with the disease, they were worried about the political spin and the effect on their careers. If it turned out to be the case that this was a lab leak, and Farrar, by the way, speculates that it, uh, well, he was 80% sure that it was a lab leak. And his only question in his mind was, was it a deliberate leak or an accidental leak? Deliberate in the sense that you have, you know, China uh, uh, going after uh, the rest of the world uh, for, basically for Trump's, trade policies and that that's what he thought which i think is a little bit crazy but nonetheless that was the idea he was entertaining at the time so instead of focusing on the public health aspects of this all they did was obsess about it was basically a cover-up i mean he admits this uh, and the timeline certainly suggests that so um and dr fauci was involved with him uh, was he and he and dr fauci commiserated over the over the uh, the the, the uh, situation that they were in that they could be in some trouble did they just... uh, over burner over burner phones for several weeks um, and and actually not just several weeks this apparently this went on for about I would say like five weeks um, as far as I can reconstruct the timeline they began to get nervous about the lab leak about January 30th they got together with uh, the four authors of a nature article that came out much later, denying the lab leak. They had their first meetings with those guys on February 1st. The first draft of the article denying there's a lab leak uh, was presented on February 4th, so just three days later. That's how urgent they considered this. So they were, this is according to Farrar. This is not, you know, my discovery. Yeah, on your piece, uh, I should tell people, uh, uh, you can see the the details of what... uh, Jeffrey's talking about, if you go to brownstone, uh, brownstone.org, um, yep, that's and right. you, you, you have excerpts from his book, and what you're saying here is yep. right here on, in black and white, it's, it's him, he, yep. he is saying this. Jeremy Farrar is saying what you're saying right here. That's right. The only thing he leaves out of his narrative, which is later discovered by the Republicans through email leaks, very critical uh, piece of the puzzle here. So he talks about the, the February 1st, phone calls with Fauci and these various epidemiologists and scientists and that sort of thing. 
Uh, and then he talks about the March 17th release of the Nature article saying this was not a lab leak. What he doesn't mention is that the first draft of that article was, was finalized on February 4th. So imagine this. Uh, on, on, on January 30th, you're terrified that the world's going to discover this is a lab leak. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, five, day, five days later, uh, you have a, you know, a pseudoscientific piece of propaganda in its first draft denying that it was a lab leak. So, you know, this is what's interesting about this. So you don't have Ferrar says, well, we discovered it wasn't a lab leak. Okay, a month and a half later, okay, fine. That's not true. Uh, uh, they, they quote-unquote, researched this for three days and came up with the first draft of their article. In other words, it was an a priori uh, conclusion. What clearly happened here, I mean, and I'm not, by the way, saying it was or it wasn't a lab leak. I don't even think that's the really relevant issue here. What, what matters is that they believed that it was, and they constructed a narrative to try to cover it up. Now, and they, they clearly did this. I mean, between January 30th and February 4th, they decided the best tactic to deal with this problem was to lie. Yeah. Um, there, here's, a, here's a quote from his book that you have in your piece. And this is uh, Jeremy Farrar uh, writing. By the second week of January, I was beginning to realize the scale of what was happening. I was also getting the uncomfortable feeling that some of the information needed by scientists all around the world to detect and fight this new disease was not being disclosed as fast as it could be. I did not know it then, but a fraught few weeks lay ahead. In those weeks, I became exhausted and scared. And this is when, and then I'll go down a little bit here at the end, he said, I sketched out the possibility of a looming global health crisis that had the potential to be read as bioterrorism. And then he has the line, if anything happens to me in the next few weeks, I told them nervously, and this is about a conversation he had with his brother and his wife. I said, if anything happens to me in the next few weeks, I told them nervously, this is what you need to know. And again, this is the UK version of Dr. Fauci writing this, Mm -hmm. that that he was concerned for his life. Mm Mm-hmm. Concern for his life. So he's on the phone with Fauci, you know, basically every day, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 Collins and these guys, and they're this is what they did. This is what our public to me. This is a really big deal. Sure. I mean, instead of preparing the world for a pathogen that would actually prove to be quite quite dangerous for a, a large segment of the population, uh, and in any case, vaccine for for almost everybody else, you know, mm-hmm. uh, instead of worrying about the medical aspects of it, they were solely concerned about the political uh, ramifications. In fact, I think Farrar even speculates that it, it, it seemed, I think it's in this book, it, it seemed as if this could start World War Three, as far as he was concerned, you know, so this is... Well, and, and why would about. he be, excuse me for interrupting, but, uh, and we're talking to Jeffrey Tucker of the Brownstone Institute, he's the founder and president. Um, why would they, why would they make that leap from a virus to World War Three, because well, it was a bioweapon? Yeah, because it was a bioweapon. Uh, they least considered that possibility, that it was a, a deliberate uh, attack by China on, uh, on, the, on the West uh, in retaliation for uh, the decoupling uh, trade agenda. In other words, you know, things are intensifying. 
uh, this lab, lab leak, may be ordered by the CCP. Uh, all right, let's infect everybody um, and, and, and panic everybody with a new disease. I mean, it's, not, it's not a crazy theory. I think it's unproven. But in any case, it doesn't matter if it's true or not. They, do, they believed it could be true. Yeah. No. They believed it. And they were concerned for themselves. Wait, I should be clear. It's not as if they were worried about your health or my health or whatever. They were concerned that they themselves would be personally blamed. You mm-hmm. see what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. that's what I was getting to. The, the, the only reason yeah. that they uh, are that concerned about the knowledge that it, uh, that it may have uh, emerged from a lab becoming public is because they were involved in the lab. Otherwise, it's, it's not their fault, and they would just deal with it. But isn't that the, right. the motivation for wanting to cover yeah, up yeah, that it yeah. came from a lab? Because it's their fault if it That's did? Right. That's right. To third parties, they were funding that research. Um, Farrar is a huge champion of gain of function, as has uh, Ben Fauci, right? Mm-hmm. So this is you know creating viruses in labs to experiment, but sensibly on the idea that you're going to create them and cure them, you know, for vaccine research or whatever, but actually all you do is create them. And, and lab leaks are very common in this industry. It's a weird world. And scientists have been denouncing gain-of-function for years. And uh, that's why there's restrictions on the funding of this stuff. But, but U.S. tax dollars were definitely involved in the funding of that lab, not directly, but through third parties. And so this is a kind of a strange gang. Uh, uh, they imagine themselves to be operating without oversight from any legislature, uh, without any public knowledge. Uh, they, they think of themselves as, you know, high-end scientists doing very important secret work on a multinational global level. So for them, you know, for this virus to leak out of a lab that they funded using uh, uh, research technologies that they championed was a career-killing uh, a disaster for all these guys. And why was it? Why did it have to be secret? What they were doing in the lab, and uh, be, because that you shouldn't be doing it, and because what happened is what they were worried would happen. I think that's that's part of it, but there's also a kind of an elite scientific. You know, it's like from the movies or something. But right? you know, they just imagine themselves to be beyond democracy, beyond any kind of public uh, oversight. Uh, they, they think they're elites and they're smart and the rest of the world is stupid and they're going to figure everything out for themselves. And that, they're very powerful guys. I mean, you know, imagine if you personally had access to $20, $30, $40 billion to hand out to whomever you want mm-hmm. uh, uh, and everybody's obsequiously uh, deferential to you everywhere you go, um, you know, you're hired by, by, uh, by these unaccountable bureaucracies. Uh, nobody can ever fire you. Yeah, you, you get a little arrogant. So that's, that's, that's what these people are. And in fact, that's why I think Ferrara was so blatant and, and blunt in his book. Is he, he thinks he's untouchable. You know? well, I think the other thing, too, is that they're dealing with things that nobody cares about until it, they, they're given a reason to care about it. In other words, who cares about viruses? And these people are obsessed with – it's so obvious that Fauci is just obsessed with viruses, and he's loving every minute of this because he knows all about this, and you don't know anything, and you have to come to him for all the information. That seems – that's my impression that's right. of the guy. 
I I think that's right, and it's and it's also what you just said is true of a kind of a strange industry. You know, mm-hmm. a, a tiny group. We're talking about maybe a dozen, two dozen people. I would say in the world, it's fewer than a hundred of these people that go to the same conferences. They hang out together. Yep. They have their private cell phone numbers. Uh, they shovel all these billions of dollars back and forth to each other. They laugh at the scientists that can get on their payroll and, and say what, uh, what they want them to say. It's, it's, it's deeply, deeply, deeply corrupt. And they, they've operated in the shadows now for the better part of you know, 10, even 20 years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Every one of these guys, you know, from Ferrara to Fauci to, you know, to, to Collins, you know, every one of them needs to appear before a Senate hearings uh, uh, under oath and be grilled yeah. for, for, for the next year. I mean, somebody's got to sort this out. Well, I think it's it's, going to have it's going to take the Republicans taking over. I'm out of time, Jeffrey. I really appreciate you coming on. I'm up against a hard break here. Uh, Jeffrey Tucker, founder and president of Brownstone Institute. You can check all this out. It's very interesting at brownstone.org. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay, we'll be right back. Okay, have you quit smoking yet? been talking to you about this for a while now and if you uh, smoke and you wish you didn't the place to go is mynicotinetest.com this is a program that's based on science it's based on you uh, doing this with a urine test that uh, from which the people at uh, mynicotinetest.com determine a program for you uh, uh, tailored for your problem and you know, this is based on how much nicotine they find in your system and, and what they uh, advise you and coach you to do in order to quit smoking. It has a 70%, 7 out of 10 people who do this quit smoking. Just imagine that. Imagine that. It's a really hard thing to do, quit smoking. Uh, you should check it out at MyNicotineTest.com. It works with not just cigarettes and cigars. It, it works with all smoking products, all tobacco products, I should say, vaping and smokeless. And uh, if you have any questions, call My Nicotine Test at 1-800-45-SMOKE. That's 1-800-45-SMOKE. And uh, if you're not a smoker, I'm sure you know somebody who is who would like to quit. Get one for them. Tell them to go to MyNicotineTest.com. That's MyNicotineTest.com. With Joe Biden and the radical Democrats pushing their socialist agenda, Pennsylvania needs to send a conservative fighter to the United States Senate. Carla Sands is a MAGA conservative who served on President Trump's foreign policy and economic teams. With deep roots in central Pennsylvania, Carla Sands shares our conservative values. Carla Sands is a Christian and a pro-life mom who will defend the unborn. Carla Sands is a job-creating businesswoman who will cut our taxes and get Washington off the backs of our small businesses. Carla Sands is a constitutional conservative who will protect our First and Second Amendment rights. And Carla Sands is a law and order conservative who will fight to finish President Trump's wall, crack down on election fraud, and stop Fauci's tyranny. MAGA conservative Carla Sands. She'll put America and Pennsylvania first. I'm Carla Sands, and I approve this message. Paid for by Sands for Senate. 
This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. And I only have about a minute left. I want to tell you a little story. Out to dinner last night. You know, if you're listening to the show, the whole thing with the masks and the overreaction to all this, uh, maybe I'll end up being proven wrong. I don't know. But I'm out to dinner last night. Uh, five people come into the restaurant, a family, mother, dad, I think three kids. Uh, they sit down. They, every one of them had a mask on when they came in the restaurant. Nobody else in the restaurant was wearing a mask. They sat down. They kept their masks on as they sat at the table. They kept their masks on when they ordered their dinner. And then when they, when the food came, they took the masks off and they ate, okay? When they were finished eating, they sat at the table for another 15 minutes, no masks, talking to each other. So I'm, I took from that that the virus leaves you alone after you eat. I don't know what else to do with it. It's driving me insane. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of The Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.